What's up, Magic fans? This is Mackenzie Thurkill of the Orlando Magic in Fox Sports, Florida, and you're listening to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast from my favorite guys across the pond at Orlando Magic UK. Now it's over to Geraint, Mikey, and Paul. Go Magic! What's up, Magic fans, and welcome to episode 24. I threw it in there this week, Paul. Um, <laughs> a penny for your thoughts. I remembered, that's why. Um, my, my name's Mikey. Um, as usual, I'm joined by Paul and G. How are we, guys? All good, Mikey. Very well, thank all you, very mate. Good. Good yeah, stuff. all good. Feeling that I should be in Orlando at the moment, but there we go. I know. You're um, feeling a little bit sorry for yourself this week, aren't you, mate? Oh, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, we should have flown out on uh, Wednesday. We would have landed in time to get to the Amway for the Atlanta game. Uh, and we would have been there for... We, we took the road trip down to Miami, hopefully. We'd have been there for Miami. Um, then, what was it? Uh, Brooklyn Nets coming into town. And finally, we'd have been there for Denver Nuggets as well. So, yes, I am feeling... Feeling being at home in the cold weather, oh, mate. you should be elsewhere. <laughs> we, Josh, we've all had trips cancelled because of COVID, so um, oh, I imagine we're um, tough, especially over there, trying to get to other places, other countries. So I totally understand. <laughs> so, and that leads us on to our uh, special guest for tonight is our friend from the Magic, uh, writer and digital content manager. Is that correct? Correct. Yes, that is my is that... official title. <laughs> yep, uh, Josh it. Cohen. Josh, thanks for coming on, buddy. Um, how are you and uh, how's life in COVID times with working for the Magic at the moment? Yeah, so first off, thanks so much, guys, for having me on. Greatly appreciated. And we're moving along here. I can't believe we're already at the midway point of the season. Obviously, the circumstances have made this a very unique season. But I think, by and large, it's gone pretty smoothly. Of course, early in the year around the league, there were some cases here and there. But I think the league has really done an amazing job making sure everybody is safe. Uh the circumstances have made the experiences different as far as being at the games and whatnot, but overall, as far as workflow, it's not that much different than how it normally would be, at least for me on an individual level, but everything else is going smooth. Cool. Good stuff. Um, how long have you been working for the magic? I know it's quite a few years now. I'm, I'm dating back a few years. I remember G would have done this as well. Um, back when you used to have media day, you and Dan Savage would sit there yeah. courtside and that yeah. would be like the tip off of the season yeah. was watching yeah. you guys live on, on the website doing interviews with all the players. Um, so how long have you been working for the magic and how did you get into writing and, and how sure. did the job come up working for the magic? Yeah. So I've been working with the magic full time for a little over 11 years, 12 years total because my first season, which I guess I'll get to in just a moment. Uh, I was technically, I guess you could say a freelance and then I became full-time shortly after that. But uh, my journey started in college. I studied journalism at Rutgers University in New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey, so uh, it was pretty much my neighboring school. And while I was in college, I started covering high school sports in the area uh, in a county called Middlesex County, which includes a number of high schools. And I would cover various sports, basketball, baseball, football being the primary ones. Uh, and actually, I got involved on my own terms so basically, my two cousins played high school baseball for a school called Woodbridge High School. Woodbridge is in Middlesex County. Uh, one of them was playing at the time. So I thought it would be kind of interesting to not only, you know, pay attention to what he was doing with his sport, but also work on my own career. 
So on my own terms, I would go to games and write about them. And then I also got involved with their local access TV channel. So I would announce games for the network as well. And that's how I pretty much got my foot in the door when it came to sports journalism. And uh, shortly after that, I started working at NBA.com, which is where I met Dan Savage, who of course you guys have had on your show. And we became great friends and it was a great environment. I learned a lot and it just reinforced my passion for basketball and the NBA. And after two and a half years working there, uh, Dan had already taken a job uh, with the Magic, uh, basically in a writer role. And amazingly, I think it was three months after he started with the Magic, he called me and he's like, you know, one of my colleagues who I worked with also for a few years when I arrived, she had an injury. She had a knee injury. So she had to be out for a while. And this was just when the 2009 playoffs started. So of course the Magic are the three seed that year. Good team. Nobody necessarily thought they would get all the way to the finals. So I hopped aboard. I was excited to get a, to get started with them. And Dan brought me down to Orlando for periods throughout that playoff run. And of course, this is one of the most incredible playoff runs really in NBA history when you really think about it. Just the way they overcame so much adversity and uh, overcame series deficits, Philadelphia, Boston, and then of course the dramatic wins against Cleveland. But throughout that journey, throughout that playoff run, I was just in awe of everything I was experiencing in Orlando with the organization. And, you know, it was to me a no brainer if the opportunity arose where I could become a full-time employee with the Magic. So to make a long story short, several months after that, so after the finals and all that, uh, Dan got promoted. So he got elevated and then his original position opened up. And, uh, you know, I'm always grateful to Dan to this day, like so appreciative. And, uh, you know, Dan called me, he, he said there's going to be an opening and uh, I applied. And before I knew it, I was full time and living in Orlando. So that was in January of 2010. And obviously I've been in this uh, position since uh, one change in title through the course, but I've uh, I guess I started as a coordinator and now now manager. But that's really the only difference throughout this uh, process. Cool. Um, how did, did you get into basketball at an early age? Did you play at all? Or? Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's a funny story. I was actually thinking about this not that long ago. And my earliest memories, I was four years old, four and a half on the verge of turning five. I was living in New York at the time. I, my family's from the Bronx. And so I still remember. It's the only thing I really remember from being four or five years old, actually. My parents went to an electronics store. This would have been the mid to late eighties. And just like today, you know how all the TVs are displayed at that area of the store. And of course, back then it was the box TVs. It wasn't the, uh, the flat screens and all that. But so one of the TVs for whatever reason, it was the, it was only one TV and it was one of the smaller ones, uh, had an NBA game on it and it was the Celtics and Pistons. And I was so drawn to it. Like my parents were looking at various electronic devices and I'm just glued to this TV. You know, it's Larry Bird, Isaiah Thomas, you know, Kevin McHale, Joe Dumars, all those guys. And I just couldn't get my eyes off of it. I was, I was so struck by just the action and the energy, just what I was seeing on TV. I mean, it was at Boston, the parquet floor, the, the fans, it just, it just really was mesmerizing to me. So 
that was essentially my earliest memory of the NBA and basketball. And so from that point on, I just fell in love with the game, you know, played it a little bit and I coached it later on. And uh, yeah, just, it just pretty much was thing I became passionate about. Good stuff. Um, We've got some more questions. We're going to fire fire at you um, a little bit later on. So we're going to do a quick uh, recap of, of last week's games. Um, so the Magic only had a two uh, only had two games last week. We're recording this on Sunday night of uh, prior to the All Star game. Um, so we had two games last week against the Mavs and the Hawks. Um, the Dallas game we had no James Ennis who was out with a calf injury. Um, the Magic lost one thirty to one twenty four um, against Luca and the Mavs. Doncic finished with thirty three points, ten rebounds, nine assists. Uh, Jalen Jalen Brunson um, had twenty four off the bench. He was really Really good for them as well, um, and the Magic really struggled defensively for large, large parts of that game against Dallas. Uh, Vooch was two assists shy of a triple double. I can't spit my words out tonight. Um, and Evan Fournier had twenty six points as well, um, but it was the second most points allowed by the Magic this season. So really, it was a game that they couldn't get any stops. Um, and then we had the Hawks on Wednesday. Uh, Evan Fournier was also out for that game with a groin injury. Um, the Magic were comfortable for large stretches of that Hawks game. Um, we led by as many as 19. We were up by 12 lead going into the fourth quarter. Um, and then the Hawks began to let it rain from beyond the arc then, didn't they? They made nine of 13 threes. Um, the Magic st- failed to get stops. They were allowing too many wide open shots, especially from beyond the arc. Um, it was a tight game down the stretch. Um, there was a few questionable calls. Um, that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but the Magic ended up losing that one. Bit of a heartbreaker, 115 to 112. Um, so at the All-Star break, the Magic are 13 and 23, were 14th in the Eastern Conference, the fourth worst record in the NBA, three and a half games back of Indiana in 10th. And we've now lost five games in a row. Uh, notable injuries, Fultz and Isaac, there's obviously nothing changed there. Anthony and Gordon were hopefully expecting to come back pretty soon after the All-Star breaks finished. Um, James Ennis is currently listed as out and Evan Fournier is day-to-day, but I expect their short-term injuries and they'll be back soon. Guys, how are we feeling after uh, last week's games and the first half of the season, Josh? Well, obviously, the number one storyline really from the beginning has been the injuries. I think that has been the most obvious component of this season and it does make you wonder what things would be like if they were whole if Jonathan Isaac Markel Fultz particularly were healthy and if other guys throughout the season haven't gotten hurt whether it's Aaron Gordon or Cole Anthony or so forth so it's really hard to measure and gauge the team based on all the injury issues obviously Vooch has been the main bright spot for the team now a second time all-star I think there's been spurts of other guys really showcasing their abilities, whether it's Cole early in the year or Chuma Okiki lately showing some of that defensive versatility and three-point shooting. So while the record has been poor, and I think everyone would agree with that, not what everybody was hoping, there is that other side to it where it's like, well, if this guy was healthy and if that guy was healthy and we think about what they've done in the past and where they were evolving to – I, I still feel confident that the nucleus is there and assuming everyone is healthy by the start of next season, along with the addition of a high draft pick, assuming that's where they end up, there's still a lot to be encouraged by. Of course, 
the way Jonathan Isaac was playing before his first knee injury and even though it was only two games, the second knee injury really still gives everyone a lot of optimism that this guy can transform into not just a stifling defender, which we already know he is, but potentially a incredible two-way threat that can make an impact on both ends of the floor. So to make a you know long subject uh, story short, injuries, obviously number one, record, not what we were hoping, but I still feel like the pieces are there to turn the corner, if not later this season, certainly by next season. Sure, sure. Gary? Um, I heard you follow that up. Um, you know, magic beat writer just said everything I was going to say. Um, um, no, you, you've hit the nail on the head there. You know, um, injuries have just been catastrophic. Um, I don't think I can remember a season, having followed the game since 1997, that a team has been hit this badly by injuries. Um, so you just want to bring along the younger players, you know, you call Anthony's uh, Mobamba. I'd like to see get more time, as I've mentioned previously, uh, and just develop, you know, Chimo Kiki and almost look for next year. Um, and, you know, in part, I think that the coaches are doing a good job of getting everybody involved. I would like to see Bamba uh, involved more, but, you know, Chuma's numbers, uh, minutes are going up. He's getting a bit more playing time. Um, but then going back to last week's games, um, I said I think I said this in the prediction. I predicted one and one beating the Hawks, uh, but a bit like the game against the Jazz the, the Saturday before, we competed, um, and until the second half, um, you know we were there thereabouts, neck and neck. Just we haven't got the depth at the moment. Players are getting tired. So um, the, the two games that we did drop, we hung hung about um, in both. Um, and if I'm just being critical of any part of our game, it's defending the three-point line. Um, the numbers that the, the other team shot, the Mavs shot 17 of 46, and the Hawks shot 21 of 45. Now, um, you know, you probably need to defend a bit better, keep their score down. If we're scoring 124, 112, um, you know, you'd like to think we'd get a W, but um, not, not last week, but uh, they were good efforts, I thought. Yeah, the three-point line, especially in the Atlanta game, I think there was a Trey Young three. Was it down the stretch when when they were chipping away at our lead? And he looked around and he's like, "Oh, I'll just shoot this then," because he had yeah. so much space and nobody closed them out. It, they just they were completely on different wavelengths, weren't they? Yeah, there've been some mismatch on defense there, mate. Yeah, there've been some mismatch on defense, haven't they? Yeah, I'm going to have, have to ask the question because I don't think that the refereeing was controversial down the stretch. I thought that we no, no. Um, In the Hawks game, yep. I thought it was probably a foul for me on Terence Ross at the end, but I thought that the foul that was called on um, Michael Carter Williams against Trey Young, I did think he he got him across the chest. Yeah, I've got no problem on that one. Um, That was just me. I just didn't think there was a deal of controversy in the calls. No, I thought both were fouls myself, but for me, throughout the game, my, Michael Carter-Williams got absolutely nothing from any of the officials, and you can see him berating the referees. And I know I'm a stickler for the referees. But <laughs> no. Don't I, won't, I won't say any more. I won't say any more. But I, I, I thought both were fouls, and Ross should have gone to the line, but there we go. Things yeah, I do done. think Ross should have gone to the line. That was the yeah. one call toward, uh, down the stretch that I thought, that's a bit off, but... Other than that, I didn't think it was particularly controversial. 
Um, I can't believe, uh, just in the Hawks game, it was incredible how we managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Incredible. Um, very disappointing, that one. Especially as I predicted a win. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I think some I think some of that heat towards the end of that game, because I think MCW and T. Ross have both been fined, haven't they, by the NBA for not leaving the yeah. court and having to go at the referees. I think it was a bit of frustration not getting calls, but I think it was just frustration of throwing a game away. You you should have had wrapped up a lot earlier. Um, so we're at the all-star break. We're a couple of weeks away from the trade deadline. Have we got any general thoughts on what direction we think the magic might go in? Do we think, is there any sort of moves you think we might make? I know uh, this week, Vooch and Aaron Gordon were in a few rumours, um, which I don't think come from the magic. I think that's coming from elsewhere. Um, guys, any thoughts? Uh, Paul? Okay, for me, um, I suppose the obvious one is with Ken being an expiring deal at the end of the season uh, and us having both Booch and Mo. Ken is possibly one that we could look at moving along. Um, his trade value is probably never going to be higher than it is at this moment. He's had a superb season. He's been playing really well. Uh, Evan can do a job for a contender. Um, he's also expiring. I, I would hate to see us let him walk. Um, without some form of return. I'm not one of these fans who hates on, on Evan. Uh, there's games he frustrates, but overall, I think the guy does a, a cracking job for us. Um, I actually think he defends better than he gets credit for. I really do at times. He's, he's been working really hard on that. So I think he can do a job for a, a contender. Um, again, Vooch, trade value will never be higher than it is at the minute but we should only let him go if we're going to be getting a return that's going to help build a future. Aaron Gordon's still a good trade chip, I suppose, with uh, Jonathan Isaac and Tuma both also being at the four position. We've got a wealth of talent there. Um, again, if it's not a good offer that helps secure the future, I wouldn't want to see Aaron move because I do think that the guy still has the opportunity to do something for us. As to who we bring in, I say this every time. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, if there's one thing this magic front office do is they don't make moves unless they are absolutely certain it's going to make them better either now or next season, moving <laughs> forwards. They've always got a long-term plan in place, haven't they? Um, have you got any thoughts on, on what the magic might, might not do or, or going into next season? Yeah, I don't want to speculate any specific scenarios. Of course, there's going to be a lot on the table. I think it's encouraging to know that the Magic have players that other teams are interested in. I think at the base, that's always yeah. an encouraging sign. Uh, as I said earlier, you know, the injuries have obviously hampered the season. So it's very hard to evaluate what this team would look like if they were whole. I keep picturing in my head the scenario of having the current core of the team mixed in with assumingly a high draft pick coming up in 2021 and more development from Cole Anthony, Chumo, Kiki, Markel Fultz, et cetera. So I don't want to necessarily speculate what I think or they, or I think they should not do. I would just say that based on those injuries and based on the fact that there is incremental rise from some of the young players, I don't think it necessarily would be, uh, a, a, an outlandish decision to 
add to what they currently have. But I also would understand based on the contracts of certain players, if they were to make a move now so that they can collect some assets before the off season begins. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things the magic have really got to look at is the long-term flexibility with the cap. Um, I know Josh Robbins wrote about this, this uh, last week or two about um, if the magic retained Evan Fournier, which I actually tweeted a few weeks ago, I would not be surprised if there was a way that they brought Fournier back on a short-term deal, if they felt that made, made more sense. Um, whether I believe that or not is another thing, but I think looking at the cap, because they've just obviously extended Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac, and they're the core two pieces that the Magic want to build around. Um, we're in line to get a high draft pick at the moment, the way things are, are looking. Um, so, yeah, for me, I think it's, it's long-term flexibility and... That, that's got to be your, that's got to be your 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 outlook at the moment, isn't it? Not looking at the short term, but looking at next season and onwards. Yeah. G, yeah, um, a bit of what everyone said. Really, <laughs> I can see us making a small deal, uh, p- perhaps a Ken Birch or someone alike um, to a, a contender who perhaps maybe had an injury. So maybe keep an eye out on which teams you know maybe lose a big man um, as we approach the trade deadline. See what we can get. Um, if the you know uh, thought is not to retain it, or we can't afford to retain him in the off season, um, I can see us resigning Fournier. Uh, you just stole my thunder there, Mikey, because you know I'm very much Team Evan. Because um, you know we brought him in back in 2014-15. We traded a Flalo for him, and um, you know he's been a real um, key piece. Whilst he gets a lot of uh, slack and and all that on Twitter and on all the social media accounts. Um, for me, he's been a real uh, consistent performer um, given the, the weight put on his shoulders. So I don't think the front office are going to just throw him away to the sideline, you know, just like that. So I can see us retaining him and a bit like what Josh has said, running it back this year, perhaps, um, with the, the current roster healthy, with a good draft pick um, and see how we fare. Because at the moment, I mean, this year, okay, we're, what, 14th? We're five games back of maybe the home court advantage. So you add all those players back into the mix. um, They're all familiar with each other. And, um, you know, you've perhaps got a recipe for a decent team there. Um, And then, you know, you play the season out. If you come fourth, fifth next season, then, you know, people are going to turn their heads and think, right, I wouldn't, I'm that kind of player who can put the magic over and get him to the next level. So I wouldn't be surprised if we just ran it back. Yeah. I think you've got to look at Evan as it's like talking about moving Vooch. I don't think any of us would expect the magic to move him for anything less than a star player or something like that in return. But if you're going to let Fournier go or let him walk, you've got to have that Medi Ray Medi ready-made replacement for him to come back in. I told you I can't talk tonight. Um, if I, I think the Magic want to make the playoffs again next year and they want to compete again next year and, and see what this main group of players can do. So letting Fournier walk and not really having a med- ready-made replacement, I've got to stop saying that word. Yeah. <laughs> Find something else to say, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> then, then, Have you um, had too many, Mikey? Is that too many Carlsberg watching Liverpool? Mate, I need some it after watching <laughs> Liverpool this long. Stronger than Colesburg, I think. Never mind. Um, right, moving on. 
So uh, tonight we'll we obviously got the NBA All Star Night, which is normally a weekend. Um, I believe it all kicks off at eleven thirty in the UK, um, starting with the uh, NBA Skills Challenge, which you'll see our two-time NBA All Star Nikola Vucevic in. Um, then we have the uh, three-point contest, and we'll have the All Star Game with the slam dunk contest in the middle. Um, a little bit of news, um, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons have both been ruled out due to contact tracing with COVID. Um, so Zion Williamson is going to start as a replacement for Team Durant. Uh, thoughts on All-Star Night? I'm going to start with Paul because it's not one of your um, favourite things about the season, is it? I'm not a fan at all. Um, it, I'm just, I think the word I'd use is underwhelmed by it all. Um First of all, obviously, I really hope Vooch gets more playing time. I really hope he does well and I hope he gets the opportunity to score. Um, I love that the the event is benefiting charity. But other than the, the skills contest, the three-point and the dunk contest, I rarely watch anything else involved in in the in the in the weekend. Um, I'm not a fan of the celebrity game or the rising star game. I didn't watch any of the All-Star game at all last year. Um, it just doesn't do it for me. Uh, I, I, the other thing I didn't like about last year's was this final target score. Why see, can't we just have a fourth see, quarter? I think that made it really, really entertaining last, like last year. What do, you, what do you think to the... Is it the helium ending, Josh? Because I thought that was a really good game down the stretch last yeah, year. I'm like going to disagree, Paul. Yeah, no, I did. I thought it was great from the standpoint of that everyone that was on the floor was competing really hard. I think most importantly, that yes. was definitely glaring to me. The only problem with it was that it ended on a free throw. So that to me was the weakness right. of it all. But the fact that it was a close game and that the guys were actually competing hard, which we haven't seen ever in NBA Hall Star history to really speak of, I thought that made it quite a surprise and kind of exciting, in my opinion, especially yeah. when you have the very, very, very best players on the floor. To end the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Perhaps it's just me. I just didn't like it. You just didn't like it. Didn't like the idea. <laughs> what you like. Um, so, like I said, Vooch is also going to be participating in the skills challenge. Um, three of the last five uh, winners of that have actually all been bigs. Carl uh, Anthony Towns in 2016. Chris Stapps Porzingis is in 2017. And Bam Adebayo won it last year. Um so hopefully Booch can uh, bring that home tonight. Um, G, I'm going to leave it over to you next because you've got a... Yeah, I've got a... Topic. Well, one of my questions, yeah, one of my questions for Josh um, had the, an all-star theme, so we thought we'd tack it on to this section. So, so Josh, from the current Magic roster, in the all-star, given the all-star theme, who do you think would win a skills challenge, a three-point contest, and a dunk contest between members of the current roster? So I'll start with three-point contests. And I've seen Terrence Ross. Now, we've seen him in games, and he's electrifying in stretches. Obviously, the way he comes off screens, now with the pull-up game developed as well. But when he's wide open in a practice type of setting where there's nobody guarding him, he doesn't have to worry about two, three defenders draped all over him like he does 90% of the time in games. I, I would definitely lean toward him winning a three-point challenge. 
Uh, I'm a little bit disappointed we haven't seen him in it yet. Of course, he won the dunk contest one year, but I do think he's deserving of participating in the three-point contest at some point. Uh, so I'll pick him, even though Evan Fournier is a close second. Uh, dunk contest is, I think, quite obvious uh, with Aaron Gordon doing some amazing things twice in that competition. So I'll stick with him. Uh, of course, Ross won it as well, but I don't think really there's much of a comparison when you talk about no. what they've accomplished in dunk contest history. Uh, so now we get into, so the other one was, I know skills challenge. Did you also ask about another, like the, the all-star game itself or? Oh no, just the skills challenge the skills. was the last okay. one there. Yeah. Yeah. This is just tough. I mean, you know, Vooch is in it this year and he, you can make an argument. He possesses all the fundamentals that are necessary to compete well in this competition. So I might actually side with him. I'm, I'm just scanning through thinking, I mean, I think Evan would probably perform pretty well in this. I don't know why he wouldn't. The Magic don't necessarily have like a true speedster. I mean, Markel Fultz is more on the crafty creative side and obviously his three-point shot is not great. So I wouldn't necessarily choose him for it. So believe it or not, maybe Cole Anthony could perform well in this. I think he has a nice blend of skills where he actually, with his his nice touch from different ranges, he is a, a good enough facilitator, so we can assume that he could hit the target. And then, of course, he has the the ball handling to go along with it. But, you know, I might actually pick Vooch. You know, Vooch possesses all the necessary offensive skills to be effective in this competition. So I'm actually going to go with him. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Right. How about you, other boys? Who Mate, you go I've, with? I've, I've got exactly the same. AG for the dunk, it has to be. Uh, I went with Ross because I think he's got the greatest range of shooting for the uh, three-point and for Vooch for the skills. And I also put that I think it would be a tight contest with Evan and uh, Cole Anthony. I think depending on if Aaron, if Aaron Gordon had got his three-point shot on that night, then I think he could also be potentially quite good at it. Yeah. Mikey? Yeah, I can't really disagree with any of those, to be honest. Um, yeah, you, you'd think Fournier and Ross would be your, your standout threes. Um, and, and we've seen T. Ross when he when he catches fire. So you'd expect that. Um, faults possibly for the skills challenge. Um, the only thing would be knocking down the three at the end, whether yeah, that, he'd be able that's... to do that. That's the only one. Um Sometimes I think we see with the skills challenge, it's not necessarily how quickly the players get up and down the court. You've just got to make those critical passes and the shots. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily about getting from one end to the other. Um, so, yeah, I might lean towards faults. Um, dunk contest. Yeah, I'd go Ken Birch. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll go AG. <laughs> I'd go AG. Go Fournier, surely. Well, he's made one. <laughs> he's made one this season. Well, it, I'd, I'd have Evan, Evan for the three-point contest, but, you know, Josh did kind of sway me a little bit. But, um, no, I, Evan's been knocked down this year, so I'd go for him. Obviously, Aaron Gordon, two times people's champ. Um, Ross, second place. Um, skills, I did write down false because Mark L's my boy. But um, I actually go with Evan now we've had the conversation. So uh, I'd go Evan for the skills. Here we go. Cool. I wonder if they could do that, Josh, and just let us know the result. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting. I'd be curious to see how it would play out. The other interesting one from three would be Bamba. 
it's just those corner threes. I'm not sure whether he's quite got that down. Yeah, yet. mate, yeah. that's that's the issue. The corner three for him. Corner threes. What do you reckon, Josh? What, what's he like in practice? If he, if... The times I've seen, you know, Bamba actually is a very effective three-point shooter in mm. practice. But you're right. He doesn't necessarily take enough corner threes in game action to really know how he would be in that environment with the pressure mounting. Yeah. You know, you know, another player for the three-point Believe it or not, I don't know if it's believe it or not anymore. I mean, he's shooting a high percentage lately. Chumo Kiki could actually probably yeah. be. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Because the times I, I mean, because he didn't play last, because of the COVID thing, I haven't seen them in any sort of practice setting this year. But yeah. just from what I hear, it sounds like he shoots it extremely well in practice settings. So I'm going to make the assumption that based on what we've seen in game action, that he would translate that over to a three-point contest. So he might not be a bad choice either. How how impressed have you been by Cole Anthony and Tumor, considering they had they got drafted, they had no summer league, they were right. thrown straight in the training camp, and because of injuries, they've been given bigger roles than they probably expected at this point in the season. Obviously, Cole's out at the injured at the moment, but for a rookie to do what they've both done, um, how impressed are you with those guys? Yeah, well, I'll start with Cole, and I always felt like his best comparison coming out of college was Jamal Murray. Now, Jamal Murray is a little bit taller, I think, although their height is listed as the same, but I'm going to say Jamal's a little bit taller. I think from a craftiness and creativity standpoint, sort of from an originality standpoint, they're similar. Their touch is kind of similar. Uh, I think if, if Cole Anthony could develop sort of the acrobatics that Jamal Murray shows from time to time, the, the fallaway jumper, the reverse layups, the ability to maneuver around defenders and finish over traffic. I think Cole can follow in those footsteps. So I've been impressed with him. I think clearly he needs to become a better playmaker, uh, especially if he's going to play the point guard position full time. I think he's probably more just of a combo guard, depending on who he's on the floor with. But I think he can be a prolific scorer, either in a, in a six man role or kind of a spark plug in certain situations. Uh, I'm not necessarily expecting him to be dazzling every night, but I think he can have those stretches where he catches fire and and really makes a difference on the offensive end. The other thing I like about him defensively, even though he doesn't have great size or length, which is always a factor, is he's willing to take charges, something we really haven't seen yeah. from too many Magic players in recent years. So I think that's a definite yeah. bonus. He's also, also really pesky. He gets in opponent's faces. Uh, he's not committing too many fouls. He's not too reckless. So I think he has a chance to be a solid defender, but I'm not expecting him to be a stout defender based on limitations physically. So overall, I've been pretty impressed with Cole. You know, now obviously being hurt, we'll see what he looks like when he comes back. Uh, and then Chuma, you know, every time I watch him, I feel like I'm watching a, I would describe a little bit of a thicker version of like a Trevor Ariza. I want to say Andre Iguodala, but when we talk about Iguodala, we're talking about one of the best help defenders of all time. So I don't know if I want to go that far. Although I think from an instincts and reflexes standpoint, there's some commonality. I mean, Iguodala is one of the best at getting in passing lanes, maybe nobody better in the last decade or so with intercepting passes, deflecting them away. It's just pretty extraordinary. I see a little bit of that with Chuma. He's actually leading the team in deflections per game. So there's some signs that he can evolve in that way. Um, I love his rebounding, both sides of the floor. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, the one thing the Magic have done really well all year is uh, defensive rebounding. They're number one in the league in defensive rebounding percentage. So that's the way into something. I think Chuma's had an impact on that. And uh, the three-point shooting. I mean, to me, at the end of the day, I'm certainly not expecting him to be a creator. 
I'm not expecting him to be a playmaker. I think essentially in the end, he's a, he's a kick out option. And if he's consistently knocking down threes, as he has shown lately, he can do, he's going to make a major impact because when, you know, whether it's Markel, Evan, whoever else they bring in in the future is the playmaker or serving as the playmaker to have a spot up knockdown shooter. They're necessary. They're the glue guys. You know, you can run them all the way down. All the best teams have them. And I think he could serve in that role as the team continues to mature. So I really like him as a spot up threat. And I think as he gets more and more comfortable, we're going to see his percentages go up. Yeah. Off you go, Paul. Right. Okay. Um, for me, as, as we're at the halfway point of the season, um, Josh, what would you say has been the most pivotal moment of the season so far for the Magic? Yeah, well, I think the Markel Fultz injury probably yeah. took the air out of the building. I think that's the most obvious one. You know, ever since, I mean, they were six and two. The game that he got hurt against Cleveland, that was their sixth one of the year. So they were six and two essentially before the injury. And ever since then, it's just been so difficult. And it's not just Markel, obviously. I mean, there's just been countless. I mean, every other day, it's somebody new. Now, a lot of those guys are starting to come back, which is very promising. And I should mention, you know, earlier I said, you know, I assume that there'll be a high draft pick there. I, I think somebody else mentioned they're not that far out from a playoff spot. So no, no. it's not out of the realm of possibility. If they can get AG back healthy, James Ennis back healthy, and they can be the defensive team that they were for that five game stretch. When Michael Carter Williams came back and they played Sacramento and he had that huge night. I know De'Aaron Fox didn't play that game, but the way he shut down Tyrese Halliburton, I thought was very impressive. I mean, MCW is one of the best defenders in the league, in my opinion. So you have AG coming back. He's also obviously one of the best defenders. I, I, I just think there is still that glimmer of hope that defensively they can be stifling enough that can make up for what they don't have offensively with all the injuries. But yeah, to answer your question, the Markel injury seems like the obvious one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I guess, I'm guessing it's a fairly obvious answer with this one as well. Most memorable moment of the season for you. Memorable moment of the season. Let's see. I'm, you know, I want to think about this for just a split second. But I'm actually going to say, you know, when we went 4-0 to start the year, first time in Magic history, I thought that was something that really uh, stands out for me. In that stretch, of course, it was only the third game of the year, but the comeback against Washington, I thought was quite impressive. Down double digits late. Vooch had that go-ahead basket with 25 seconds left, if, I, if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, Markel made a few huge plays in those final few minutes. So, you know, even though it's so far away now and you think about it, I mean, that was late December. We're already here in uh, early March. But that game specifically, I would say, was uh, a shining moment. Uh, you know, just Vooch making the all-star team, that was a great announcement. Obviously very exciting to see him a second time all-star so those are the some of the few i thought beating you know the road trip out west considering they had you know one game they only had six seven guys or whatever yeah. it was um i guess they had eight guys because that would be the the, the the least number you can have to play a game so eight to only have eight guys available and i think none of them were point guards if again my memory serves me correctly that was quite interesting and the fact that they won one of those games you know against sacramento i thought was pretty cool so those are a few that stand out and the one you yeah. forgot was Cole Anthony's game winner. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Cole Anthony's game winner was quite extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. I should have mentioned that as well. You're right. It was a good one. 
Now, the other thing is, you've alluded to it a little bit because of questions that have gone earlier, but without the injuries to Markel and to Cole, how different do you think the season would have looked for the Magic? Well, I think those first eight games gave us a glimpse of what they could have been if they were whole. Now, granted, they weren't going to have Jonathan Isaac regardless, but as far as Fultz and Cole specifically, I mean, you can argue there's no more important position in the NBA than the point guard spot. I think that's become clear over the years, especially in recent memory. And, you know, Fultz continues to evolve, as we've all seen. Uh, The way he played in those first four games or so was very, very, very encouraging uh, for a guy that just two years ago was, you know, hurt. Nobody knew if he would ever blossom into the player that people projected of him when he was the first overall pick. So I think the season will be a lot different considering you look at the top of the Eastern conference after Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, I want to say Boston, but I'm not so convinced anymore. Uh, who, who really is there? That's that amazing. Right. I mean, Indiana has been disappointing. We've seen, you know, Toronto's now coming on, but they were disappointing early in the year. Miami was disappointing early in the year. They're starting to come on a little bit, but yeah, they are. Yeah, but there to me, if you add in Jonathan Isaac to that mix, to me, there should have been no reason why this team couldn't have been a, a four or five seed, in my opinion. I mean, again, you know, we didn't know at the time at the beginning of the year that Brooklyn was definitely gonna get James Harden. They're clear and you know, by far and away, probably the best team in the East. Philly may, can make their case at this point, but uh but after those three, four teams that I mentioned, I mean, it, it all blends together, you know, like who's better than who? I think there's a lot of argument there. Well, you we predicted, had, uh, sorry, Paul, I was just going to say, you predicted us to finish sixth, didn't you, at the start of the season with I did, uh, David yeah. Still. Yeah. And uh, back then I was like, mm, I'm not so sure about this. But when you look, when you look at it now with hindsight and you look at the way the landscape is in the East, like you said, we could easily be a, a top four or five wow. team. I mean, you accept fully that there's going to be injuries throughout the season. You're going to get players go down for a couple yeah. of games here and there. The 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 pure misfortune that we've had for this season to see so many important players out. I mean, there's been points where the only recognised starter that you would that you would have assumed for the team playing has been Vooch. It's it's been incredibly bad luck, really has. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess this season people were assuming that teams might be limited, shorthanded because of the COVID situation, mm-hmm. not because yeah. of injuries. I mean, of course, there's going to be sprinkled in here, there, you know, injuries here and there, but to the extent that they've dealt with it, obviously, is something that you really couldn't have foreseen. So, yeah, I, I agree. And it happens, you know, like yeah. I think would also happen, though, two years ago, the 18 19 season, we had no injuries. Yeah. So we got spoiled. Yeah. And I think when it hit last year a little bit with Isaac specifically, it like became that rude awakening of, oh, that does happen. You know, sometimes you have to weather that storm because two years ago, man, it was like sometimes it felt like almost surreal that every game we had every we had everybody available. Like it's so rare for that to happen. I think I'm right in saying we'd only really got uh, Mo out for any period of time in that season. And he was the only one who was out for any. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, one day we'll get back to that. Fingers crossed. And then, yeah. we, and then we traded for Fultz, and obviously he didn't play until yeah. until yeah. last season. So going into last year, we were so optimistic, and it's we've been robbed of that so far. So off we go, G. Yeah. Um, so Josh, um, since your time 
back in 2009. What is your standout moment whilst working for the Magic, be it a win, an individual performance, or a particular play? Anything that stands out? Yeah, I was talking about this recently, and I'm sure there's many others that deserve to be on the top line. But for some, maybe because it's a little bit more recent, because I could definitely go back to the 09-10 seasons and think of a trillion things that happened that were just incredibly extraordinary and mesmerizing and, and you know, uh, earth shattering in so many ways. But that eight, and I just brought up the 18-19 season before, that last month of the regular season was something that I don't think most teams in the regular season will ever experience. The the fact that the team had not been in the playoffs for seven years was a factor, clearly. And the fact that late January, they won two, 22 out of their final 31. But before that, you know, everybody was writing off the season. I mean, it's like, because this is right around the trade deadline of that year. And everybody's like, who are they going to trade? You know, what kind of changes are they going to make? And inch by inch by inch, they just kept winning. And it's like, Something's different here. Something's different in the air. And the chemistry evolved. Isaac was stepping up his game at that time. That's where he really emerged. I remember a game against yeah. New Orleans, against Anthony Davis. Now, granted, this was at the very tail end of Anthony Davis in New Orleans, and he wasn't trying very hard. But still, Isaac had an amazing game against him in New Orleans in early February of that season. And you saw that play out. They, I remember right before the All-Star break, they played home to Charlotte. And Charlotte, for years, had been killing the Magic, dominating with Kemba Walker. The Magic won by a trillion that night. The crowd was going crazy. Then you get into March games. And I remember a game against Memphis. I don't know if you guys remember this. They were down double digits in the second half. Yeah. It was a must win. You're playing one of the – you know, the Grizzlies were one of the worst teams. And you knew this is part of a homestand. You got to get this game to have a chance. And I, it went to overtime. And that crowd in overtime was like a playoff game. And then the other big one was the Miami game. It was uh, coming. So they had a five game homestand. The final game of that homestand was against Philadelphia. They won that game against, you know, that's when Philly still had Jimmy Butler, of course, Embiid, et cetera. Yeah. They won that game. The very next night, they were about to start a four game road trip starting in Miami. And I was on the trip. And the plane, the buses, the hotel, walking into the arena, there was something different about this thing. Like, this did not feel like a regular season game. This felt like, because we were a game and a half back of Miami for the eighth spot at that moment. We knew we had to get this game. Magic had to get this game. And you could feel it in the locker room. The players recognized it. You know, you would think for a regular season game, they'd just be like, it's just another game. But you could tell it had really been ingrained throughout the entire organization that this was pivotal. Like this was a critical game and they fell behind by double digits, you know, in the first half. And I, we were just like, it's not going to be our night. It's not going to be our season. After all, you kind of was like this, that's it. This is also the night that the, the heat are honoring Chris Bosch. They're retiring his Jersey. Yeah. So their crowd was going pretty wild, but just like, it's like a microcosm of that second half of the year. Inch by inch by inch, they started getting control of the game. They ended up winning it. And from that point on, it was just electric. And the final home game of that year, regular season, was against Atlanta. And they won by a million. 
And I remember the crowd again was, I, I mean, you could, it wasn't necessarily playoff energy, but it was just a tad underneath it. Uh, you could just, you, and the players felt it, which is why they came out with, you know, tons of energy, tons of hustle, and they blew out the Hawks. And then of course the DJ Augustine game winner against the Raptors. So, so I went a little long winded there, but uh, the end of that season, it might not be anything ever like it again in, in not just magic history, but I think most teams might never experience that considering the circumstances uh, and just how badly everybody wanted to get in the playoff. Cause like, you know, most teams, if they've been in the playoffs consecutive years and are like a five, six, seven, eight seed, you know, it's, it's like, you know, run of the mill kind of feeling. It's like, okay, what's the next step. But in that moment for this team, it was everything. I thought making the playoffs was the equivalent of making the finals for this, for that team, for that year's team. So yeah. that will be memorable for me forever. I'll cherish that, that final stretch uh, of the 18, 19 season. Brilliant. Um, on that season, um, Mikey and I have got a bit of a story. When we were 22 and 31, we both said to our wives, if we make the playoffs this year, can we go? And they both agreed. <laughs> nice. And my wife was Jokes pregnant at them. the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> Okay. So when we went over for the for the playoff games in uh, April, she was uh, 16, 17 weeks pregnant. So I left her here. Games in Orlando or Toronto? Or both? Uh, we came we came from three and four in Orlando. Three and four in Orlando. Okay. Very cool. Those and you are, mentioned, you know, those are intense games too. I wish they could have pulled one of those out, but those were good games. Yeah. And you mentioned Jonathan Isaac, how crucial he was down that stretch of the season. I remember in game three, those first... I yeah. don't know, that yes. first half of the first yes. quarter when we struggled yeah. offensively and he was getting blocks, steals, yes. deflecting the ball, and then he made a couple of shots that sort of sparked the team a little bit. Even that in a playoff game was massive for him as well, wasn't it? It was, it was. And I remember I was, I'm sitting next to a coworker of mine named Trish, uh, Trish Wingerson, shout out Trish Wingerson. And we turned to each other. It was like late first quarter of that game. We both like, Isaac like we just knew that was the centerpiece of the game and if nothing else if we weren't going to win the game at least we saw promise in a major major moment for him that maybe we could see him take a significant step in his development and uh, it was I mean clearly the way he started the following year it showed like inch again I always like to word it kind of inch by inch because he's an inch by inch player you know he's not one of those guys like Luka Doncic or or LeBron or you know, Zion Williamson, who comes in right away. And it's like, oh, wow, this guy's a superstar. He's just like a player that, that slowly just makes these strides and you start questioning it. It's like, is there something serious there? And, you know, the injuries, we'll see. If he's, if he's healthy, I think we'll really find out if he can actually blossom into that level of a player. Let's just hope that the injuries don't hold him back. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, my, my other one, um, as you've known the team, you work very closely with them. Um, who's your, in your tenure, is the best unsung hero you've come across on the roster? So, you know, your players, you don't really get the, you know, accolades they probably deserve. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> wow. Um, let me just think real quick. I'm scanning through the years and... I want to I want I want to pinpoint the right guy here because I don't want to just come up with the first guy that comes to my mind. Um, 
I've asked the boys this question as well, so I think they've all you got somebody on the with. tip of their tongue. Who, who yeah. are you going with, Paul? Mate, for, Josh for, the se- for the season that Josh has been talking about, DJ, mm, I just think he got so much stick from Magic fans that was so uncalled for. The guy never did anything other than give it 100%, and he was really, really important for this team. And in that season, he... he I won't say carried us to the playoffs, but without him, we don't make it. Yeah. The more I think about it, I'm actually going to go back to the 09 and 10 seasons. Uh, Anthony Johnson. And I, I mentioned him because Jameer gets hurt wintertime 2009. Before they get Rafe Peralston, Anthony Johnson's kind of viewed of, you know, as the starting point guard, essentially. And even when yeah. he was backing up Rafe Peralston, he played really well like unusually well for someone that was a journeyman for so long in his career. And I remember he was such a great leader. You know, it's so far back now. We're talking about almost a dozen years, but I always remember seeing him. He just, he had this aura about him. I could, I could definitely picture him being like a a good coach. He just had this way around other players Mm. that seemed to infiltrate success. Elevate them. Yeah. I thought the play translated on the floor too. There, There was something about him at least at that era of his career that made a big impact. And I thought he played way above expectations and where he had been playing for the several prior years before that. So he comes to mind. Uh, Another guy I really like as a person is Ronnie Price. I I know he was only with the team for one year, but uh, talk about like a true professional. I know the team wasn't good that year when he was on the team because that was a 13, 14 season, but he, um, Another guy who I thought had a great locker room presence. So kind of, that's kind of an off-the-radar guy, but I, he stands out for some reason. And then one of my favorites in general is Tobias Harris. I'm, I've always been a huge yeah. Tobias guy. He's such a great, great individual. The off-the-court stuff he does, the charity work. He was the, so Tobias, no matter if they won or lost, and of course during his era there were more losses than wins, let's be honest about it, but he was so professional that – after games, he would basically be, you know, he would call you over to talk. Like you didn't have to like force anything on him. He was always willing to talk regardless of what happened in the game. He was so professional. I'm sure he's like that in Philadelphia. And uh, he was one of my favorites to cover for sure. So every time I see him, I, 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 I smile because it, it brings back great memories uh, of him. I think he's well, a little bit like, I wouldn't, He's not quite on the same level, but I would say he's a bit like JJ Redick. He's a bit of a Magic fan favourite. I think he'd be another player we'd all like to see on the team. Um, I I remember, I don't know if you guys watched it during the NBA bubble, um, Matisse Thibault was on YouTube and he was documenting the the whole experience and just seeing some of the clips with what Tobias was like in and around the team sort of gave you an insight to what he was like. Um, and I know he got involved with the whole Black Lives Matter thing. And you can see he's a really good dude. Um, so, yeah. The one I was actually going to say um, was Mikel Petrus. was another one in that 2009 finals team. He had some huge shots that 09 year. Yeah. 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 He, yeah. He was, he I was, was wondering good. who you were going to say, Mikey, because I'm going to go a bit further back. I'm going to say Pat Garrity back in the early 2000s. You know, forward, he got traded to the Magic and the Suns for Penny Hardaway and a couple of picks. Um, and he came in, filled a role, hit a couple of key game winners um, 
I think the Magic actually put uh, one of the games on. It was either Washington or Philadelphia uh, a couple of days ago on their Twitter feed. And I, I remember that game. I was like, yeah, love Pat Garrity. Legend. Yeah, it was a couple of days ago. They did feature it as on this day in Magic history or something of that nature. It was, uh, it. Yeah. It was on there, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and um, just going back to your point about Anthony Johnson, he was on the uh, Orlando Magic Pod Squad about three or four he weeks was. ago now, so that was it's well worth good. a listen. Yeah. And he was saying about how he come in um, and said to Jameer, "I'm not here to try and compete for you. I'm here to back up. Well, there's a, there's something here. There's something I can feel brewing here with this roster." Um, so yeah, Take so that's you worth to the a next listen. Level. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, we are recording our next episode, um, which is going to be on Saturday the 13th. Um, we've got one of our UK followers, Neil, coming on with us um, for that show. Um, before then, uh, we've got two games coming up this week against the uh, Heat and Spurs. The Magic return to practice, I think it's Wednesday, Josh, if I'm if I'm right. Correct. And then they head yeah. down to Miami. Um, so we've got the Heat on Thursday at 1 a.m., so Friday morning in the UK and the Spurs on Friday slash Saturday morning at 2 a.m. Um, so, G, what's uh, what's the look ahead to the Heat game? So, yeah, like you said, uh, Thursday night, Friday morning, 1 a.m. The Heat currently sit at 18 and 18, good for six in the Eastern Conference. They are 10 and eight at home. Um, five games, uh, we are five games back of them in 14. Uh, the late last game was a 103-93 win against the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, current injuries as of last game, Bam Adebayo missed it. He's day-to-day with a knee injury. Uh, Myers Leonard is out. Season-ending procedure on his left shoulder. And Avery Bradley was listed as out last week with a car problem. Uh, again, we don't know if he's going to play. Uh, offense, they're ranked 26 in scoring, scoring 106.8 points per game. Defensively, they rank fifth, conceding 108.4 points per game. Our last meeting was a 113-107 magic win, it's nice to say, on December the 23rd. And in 129 meetings, unfortunately, Miami leads 71-58. to So let's change that. And then that leaves us with uh, the Spurs. Seventh in the West uh, on a 18 and 14 record. Uh, interestingly, I was quite surprised at this. They've only won nine of 19 home games this season. I was quite surprised to see that. Uh, six and four in the last 10. Um, currently, they have three players out with COVID protocols, uh, including Rudy Gay. Lamarcus Aldridge missed the last game through illness. So, in all honesty, they could well be back at full strength because um, they've got no long-term injuries or anything of that nature. Uh, last season in San Antonio um, and over the previous years, it hasn't been a happy hunting ground for us. Um, DeRozan leads their scoring at 20 points per game, um, 20th in offence and 10th in defence rating. Good man. So, predictions... Uh, last week, I was the first one to uh, get it right this season. I'm not. I shouldn't be celebrating. Hey, no, 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 no. <laughs> Somebody got Come first on. week right at four. Oh, sorry, out. sorry. Yeah, so no, you did. So we're not having any of this. I'm the first person. Well, I'm. I'm. <laughs> I've got my first one. So uh, I went zero and two last week. Paul and G and Sabrina went one and one. 
Um, so what are we going with this week? So go on, Paul. What are you going with? I went two. Oh yeah. You're just yeah. leaving it there. I I don't want to believe it. I don't want to believe it. Um simply on the fact that Miami are starting to look good and that San Antonio isn't a happy hunting ground for us. I don't actually want to believe it. And fingers crossed, because I'm normally wrong, we should have a better record. <laughs> Josh, what are you going with? I'm, I'm going to be an optimist and just go 2-0. and I know it's going to be two yeah. tough games Good and man. two tough environments, but uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give them some extra encouragement there. I mean, we'll see what the health is like for both those teams. Like you said earlier, I mean, there's key guys out for both squads. Miami's been so weird. They, yeah. They've had games where they've been missing multiple guys and other games are full strength, so – yeah. They're they're hard to predict, but uh, if they have everybody, they'll be a tough team to be with Bam. And if Tyler Hero's playing in that game because he's been in and out, of course Jimmy Butler. So they're always a tough matchup. I'm going to go one and one, and we're going to beat the Heat. So there we go. G. Um, I'm also going to go one and one, and I don't care who we beat because <laughs> a it's Miami, or b it's my brother Gareth's team, San Antonio. So. <laughs> We beat my brother's team, happy days. If you beat Miami, happy days. So one and one, I don't care which one we win. Good man, good man. Cool, that uh, wraps us up for uh, this week. Uh, Josh, thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for coming on. Um, for those who don't follow you, um, where can they follow you on Twitter? Um, and also make sure you follow Josh's articles on orlandomagic.com. Um, so... Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Josh underscore Cohen underscore MBA. So if you want to find, I post some of my articles on there, but if you don't find anything on there uh, or find what you want on there, you could always go to OrlandoMagic.com. Uh, all the articles are posted there as well. Wicked. And every Great one stuff. of your game reviews is shared on uh, our website, yeah. isn't it? We always quote it in uh, oh, our appreciate game that. reviews. Well, thank it's, you. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Okay, Mikey, before we go, can we just uh, all wish Perry Riggs uh, who was on with us a couple of weeks back. Uh, very happy 21st birthday. Um, not able to celebrate on in the Magic Court as he would normally like, but uh, it's an all-star game for him tonight. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, just make sure, guys, um, for you who follow us, um, to check out our website, orlandomagicuk.com, um, where we've got all our game previews, reviews, articles. We've got the podcasts on there, affiliate links. Uh, to the NBA Storm Fanatics and the NBA League Pass. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Orlando Magic UK, Instagram, Facebook, um, and subscribe to the podcast. Guys, thanks for coming on. Josh. Thank you. Hopefully yeah, we can have good. you again on soon. And yeah, uh, go, Magic. go Magic. Go Magic. You've been listening to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast from the guys at Orlando Magic UK. Please subscribe to the podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and YouTube. Check out our website, orlandomagicuk.com, the UK home for fans of the Orlando Magic, and support us by using our links to the official NBA store and Fanatics for your official merchandise, including the NBA, the NFL, and many more. Follow us at Orlando Magic UK on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Go Magic! <laughs>